This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air. Otago Access Radio, in partnership with Otago Polytech, brings you Blowing Bubbles. Blowing Bubbles brings you positive conversations with people in their bubbles around the world. How are people living their bubble lives? Working from home, keeping kids entertained, and staying connected and getting exercise. And how are these things presenting us with the opportunities to find new ways of living? Every weekday, the Sustainable Lens team of Samuel Mann, Shan Gallagher and Mara Karatai reach out from their bubbles to chat with interesting and positive people around the world. Broadcast on Otago Access Radio 105.4 FM and streamed and podcast on oar.org.nz and sustainablelens.org. Bringing connection, joy, kindness and peace in the days ahead. Welcome to Blowing Bubbles, positive conversations with people in their bubbles, their safe spaces around the world. I'm Samuel Mann in Sawyer's Bay, Dunedin, and I am joined from Fakatane by Mawera Karatai. Kura Mawera. Good, Sam. How are you? Very well indeed. Back in the water, so everything's good. Oh, that is so good. And it's, what's the water temperature at the moment? It's about 15 and a bit. Oh, let me go. Let me know when it's five degrees warmer than that, <laughs> and I'll join you for a paddle. <laughs> It may touch that for like one day if we have like in February, if we have a, a week of sun. Uh, that's uh, yet another reason why I live in the Eastern Bay of Plenty. <laughs> <laughs> and who are we introducing today? It is my very great, great pleasure to introduce Vicky Wilson. Vicky is a high school careers advisor, a farmer, a veggie grower, and is currently working with former refugee students in high school. So... Nice one, Vicky. That is a really cool lot of things that you do. Welcome. Thanks for joining us. Morena, thanks very much. Kura, Vicky. Vicky, I know where you are now because you're in your car, but where are you yes. normally? <laughs> where do you live? I I live uh Waipuna Bay, which is just near Aramoana, Port Chalmers, Dunedin. That's a nice place to be. I know. You're in Sawyer's Bay, Sam, so not far away. Aramoana is our, we consider it our local beach. Absolutely, absolutely. It's the best beach in the world, or New Zealand, I think. And you've got two choices. Do, we do indeed. Depending on where the sea lions are, depends on which beach we go to. And so we've been asking people how their bubble life was. How was your bubble life? Fantastic, loved it, um, because we live... And work from home. Obviously, I wasn't wasn't teaching. Um, and we grow vegetables. And my bus- my husband and I also run a business from home. So, bubble life was pretty well not too different for us. Um, yeah, we're pretty self sufficient. So, no, bubble life is good. And were you working at the time? Through that time. Um. No, I wasn't because I relief teach at the moment. Um, so, no, bubble life was great. I, I was just helping on the farm and helping my husband with his business at home. And so after after bubbles, we've, we've come out of bubbles and went through a period of traffic lights. I'd almost forgotten about the traffic lights. But yeah. how are things going now? Fantastic, fantastic. I think, you know, we're we're very resilient. Um, we're very resourceful where we are. So um 
No, we just, I guess, like most Kiwis, have that bit of DIY mentality and we just pragmatic and get on and get things done. Let's go straight to the first of your music choices. Let's have Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers running down a dream. Why this one? I've just always loved Tom Petty growing up and, of course, devastated when he passed away. Um, I love the song. It's got a good guitar riff. And, yep, just love Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers.
Vicky, in your work as a careers advisor in schools, I'm particularly interested in how the pandemic might have affected young people, not just their education, but their kind of their the views of their careers. Are you are you seeing any difference coming through? Yes, absolutely. Um, I've I've been doing this for twenty years, and obviously, you know, life changes in that time. I think youth today they're a bit more I think holistic in in their approaches they're a lot more globally aware um I think career planning is not a linear process so they tend to be I guess a lot braver with their decision making um Gap years are a big thing, even though what they term a gap year these days to what we used to term a gap year. Um, so, yeah, decision-making sometimes, yeah, they, they still need some coaching on how to make some informed decisions. The kids that have, not kids, the young adults, actual actual adults, the ones that have gone through their tertiary studies during the pandemic have been really disrupted. Um, there are people graduating now that have spent you know, less than 30% of their academic careers in a lecture theatre type um, mm. arrangement. And I think that that must have changed how they're thinking about their their professions. Agree completely, Sam. I, I've got a niece that's graduating from a Bachelor of Nursing from Otago Polytech and she's done her tertiary studies the whole time during COVID. So huge difference in, in of course, their, um, I guess, their, their practical experience, but just blessed to have, you know, got through it and, and get out and doing it. Are you seeing that there's a difference in their view of the future? It's not that long ago that we would have thought of a stable environment, work environment and and, and natural environment, characterised in the sort of single job for life. And I know that's been gone for a while. Mm. But as we move into this world that's much more dynamic and changeable and people refer to it as VUCA, the volatile, uncertain, complex and ambiguous, those sorts of certainties have gone. How, how are you helping people prepare for careers when we don't know what's going to happen or it's changing so much? It is changing so much, and I think kind of coming through through, well, COVID is I don't know whether it's here to stay or, but I guess the thing I've noticed kind of post COVID is is the anxiety moving forward. Um, I think that's a huge thing, and not just for youth. For I think all of us, you know, in an uncertain world, it's and for me in my practice, it it just comes back to decision making and how to make informed decisions for for them particularly youth it's um parents you know it's values based it's culturally based that they have the skills and the tools to make decisions that are right for them and obviously supported along the way okay what do you think the biggest challenges are for our youth right now um, I think I think the uncertainty, um, but I, I when I'm with students and practicing, I like to think of 
on the flip side of challenges are opportunities. Um, I'm an eternal optimist. That's that's a big part of my practice is, is being holistic, optimistic, and challenges, we try and flip it round to um, an opportunity. Life is challenging full stop, and it's our, our resiliency and how we approach decision-making. Um, and also to not so much being brave, but I guess, you know, owning, as as we say in my whānau, you got to own your own shit. When you make decisions, good, bad or indifferent, you'll get supported, but at the end of the day, you've got to own it. Fair enough. We, uh, we interviewed uh, an amazing educator on Wednesday, and she was talking about a lot about um, and the way that we assess our learners and how, in a sense, we, we assess them to fail them rather than to, to help them succeed. Because the, the more learners we have at the top end of the scale, the more harsh we become in the way that we assess them. And mm. so there's, there's some real issues around assessment for for our learners in the school system. Do you see that as a problem? And if so, what do you see as a solution for that? Yes, I, I agree to a certain extent. Um, coming through as a, a teacher in high school with the NCEA system, um, ed- education... In- we're institutionalised. So in terms of the best assessment system in schools, we have NCEA, we have Cambridge system, we have IB, International Baccalaureate. And I think at the end of the day, no system is perfect. And I think we are getting better at individualising learning for successful outcomes instead of the one size model fits all we're we're getting a lot better at personalized learning and knowing your learner as a practitioner that is a really positive thing how do we how is that being rolled out is that do you, is that isolated to to where you're teaching or is that something that's being rolled out everywhere no i i i think the way um the pedagogy is going is it used to be students were empty vessels and as educators we filled them with all our knowledge flipped classrooms um no yep knowing your learner and that's how you're going to get the good outcomes okay and so the, and you've seen a shift in that absolutely and and i think in in career education practice that's something where we look at more holistically who they are as a person, their likes, their dislikes, their strengths, their weaknesses, and work with them to support them to make, um, help them make good decisions for the next steps. And it's not for the rest of your life because we know life is not linear and it's your ability to be resourceful, resilient, and, um, you know, back to decision-making. What do you think is the greatest thing we can do to support our kids in their career choice decision-making? For as parents, what's the best thing a parent can do? Uh, listen and not talk. <laughs> um, 
I've sat through hundreds of interviews with students and and parents and yeah, letting the students plan and chart their own futures with support. Um, yeah, you know, as as parents, we we put our values and things obviously onto um, our our kids, and we just need to step back, support, let the brainstorm ideas. No idea is a bad idea. It's just discounting ones that you know might not be as good as the other. But just really supporting and listening. And if you don't know an answer find out someone who does and point them in the right direction. Do you think that our kids are enabled with the right skill set to be able to make good career choices right now? We, as kids, we would have been asked a lot more, what are you going to be when you grow up? What, what kind of life do you want? And that just seems to be something that we've stopped asking. Right. Yeah. Um, I think it's, it's knowing our kids and, you know, you think their likes, their dislikes, strengths and weaknesses in, in terms of um, supporting students to make um, subject choices. Don't go for a subject just because your friends are doing it. Are you good at that? Do you have a genuine interest? Because subjects that they're good at, they enjoy. So, and yeah, go with your interest, ability and skill and not because your friends are doing it or you like the teacher. If there's if there's a problem with the way that, that, that our subjects are named that creates a barrier. For example, mechatronics. Mechatronics, how if you don't if you like programming and you like uh, building things and solving problems with machines, mechatronics is absolutely the course for you. But yes. how do you know that that's those uh, that process or that that area of learning is called mechatronics from its name. If you mm. haven't been exposed to that, do we create barriers to our for our kids um, trying to do exactly what you're talking about? Yeah, great example of mechatronics. Fabulous area of technology and science. Um, I think obviously coming from a high school teacher perspective, um, curriculum areas. And high school teachers are getting a lot of great PD in careers because careers is actually integrated through the curriculum. So um, secondary school curriculum area teachers are getting a whole lot better at integrating careers into subjects at school and real life examples. That's that's where it makes the learning interesting for the students instead of just, you know, the academic knowledge is, is applying it to a real-life example. How do we enable our feeder schools, the intermediates and the senior primary schools, how do we enable them with that same knowledge? Because they're the ones who are going to take the kids and say, hey, you're really good at this and you're really good at that. Have you thought about mechatronics? What's mechatronics fire? Well, mechatronics is... Mm. And, you know, have, so it's awesome that the that the high school teachers have got this knowledge, but how do we enable the feeder schools with the same knowledge? Yeah, for, I I can't really say for intermediate and primary. I think um, 
Yeah, well, I, I just know with, with teacher training, obviously primary teachers are doing all the curriculum. They're yeah. amazing. Primary they teachers are, are amazing. Um, whereas, of course, you know, the, we specialise the secondary teachers. But careers is actually integrated, I know, from intermediate through. And it's really, it just comes back to even kids, their likes, their dislikes, um, technology in the correct science, it, it, it's all linked in. Bubble Sprite of the Forest of Orokunui, Dinan's favourite goddess, Tahu Mackenzie. Kia ora koutou, nā mihi aroha nui kia koutou, kutahua hau. I hope you're all having the best day, beautiful superstars and your beloved universes. I really hope wherever you are and whatever's happening around you, this journey that we're all on together is proving to be very rewarding, very sustaining and illuminating for you more and more each day. Who you are, a triumph of nature's art, perfect, unique and here making things better. Thank you. Now I know that for us all, the last more than three years have been very tough and we find ourselves really needing to take the time and the space to recover and recharge. I really hope this is possible for you at this time. And of course, it can be the simple pleasures in life that really help us to feel nourished and supported, help to feel our rhythm of our soul recognized and celebrated in the way that is right for us. I know for me, I draw great comfort always from the beauty of the living world and the cycles in the living world, that there's times for blossoming and abundant fruiting and times for rest and renewal. As I talk to you, I'm gazing out the window, my beautiful tekoka tree in full bloom. I'm hearing many birds singing and I was able to buy some beautiful flowers yesterday from a shop in Waitati, very close to my heart's home workplace, Orokanui Eco Sanctuary. And they're all grown locally, beautiful flowers, so many different colours and shapes and textures, so many different ways of blossoming and opening to the world, and that beautiful fragrance coming forward. And of course, it's got me thinking about all our precious pollinators that surround us. And in Aotearoa, New Zealand, that's many different varieties of species from ants to bats to geckos to butterflies to moths to bellbird and tui to kaka silveri and all the hundreds of tiny native fly species that we have and of course when we are thinking about the role of these pollinators it's often those creatures that are able to work really well together and harmoniously as social creatures and they go through their own life cycle of metamorphosis as do we all and drawing the wisdom drawing the inspiration from these species of course we can think of the time that we've all been through as a period of metamorphosis and think more about that bigger picture for our communities how do we want to contribute whether that's just a small act each day that we know is feeding back into the wider ecosystem or more broad larger acts it's all 
really, really precious. And of course, when we're thinking about these social creatures, just like ourselves, it's so important that our creativity and our ability to plan and work together comes to the fore. And there's so much, of course, that we can draw new ideas from when we look at all the different changes, all the different phases that are being lived through around the world. We can think how we want to do things here in Aotearoa, New Zealand. Of course, we're so lucky that we have this beautiful ecosystem, this beautiful remnant of our native forest that we can still nurture and we can still care for and we can bring back. And that's, of course, something I love about Orokunui, but on a broader scale, it gives us hope to think that we can bring back what may feel lost at the moment, that these integral aspects to our lives can return, maybe in a slightly different form, but we have the skills to cultivate and nurture life, to grow and to blossom and to succeed. So, of course, being part of this show is such a pleasure and a privilege, and I want to say a huge thank you to Sam, the whole Blown Bubbles team, for having me, and I look forward to talking to you again soon. Thanks so much. Ka kite. You're listening to Blowing Bubbles. We're talking with Vicky Wilson. Vicky, we know that you're really involved in your local community. What, what sort of work are you doing and what has inspired the work that you're doing? Um, so I, I love my West Harbour community and um, I'm a member of the Aramoana League. I've been a member for over 15 years. Um, we work locally, we work with DOC and the DCC, we plant trees, we work with Port Otago, we're doing dune restoration and we're very excited because we've just had our fabulous playground upgrade in Aramoana with our basketball court, which we're thrilled about. Um, Yeah, yeah, so that's been a, a long process of consultation with community and council and and it, it's been a fabulous well supported consultative project that the outcome is a wonderful asset for the whole of Dunedin it's been so much fun what what made you become the community person that you are what was your inspiration um i i love People, I love where I live and fantastic people. Um, I've actually, yeah, been approached a few times to run for local community board, but I just, I love my local community and feel that I can, I can probably, yep, specialise a bit in my local community and and for the Greater Port Chalmers community because we have the best community in Dunedin, I'm, I might just say. Well, Sam lives there, so. <laughs> Around the country, we're seeing the decline of membership and engagement in service organisations, but it sounds like yours is really thriving. What do you think is the difference? Um, I think in, in small communities and where we live, we want to protect our environment. We want to protect our wildlife. We're about supporting people to live in the community um, healthily. We love our environment. 
and it's just our we look out for people I guess at the end of the day and and we're a very social community and we support each other that looking out for people we really saw during COVID that there were that had that sort of came back into our way of being and I really loved it. Do you think are we gonna be able to hold on to that? I hope so. I, I think we're a lot I'm generalizing, I think we're a lot more compassionate and empathetic possibly now than, you know, us trundling along in our linear lives and we're busy doing this and busy doing that. I think we've just become a little bit more holistic and, yeah, I like to think a bit more compassionate and em empathetic for, for others. And that is such an important part of living a healthy life and it's an important part of community wellbeing. Mm. Do, you, do you think that, uh, I suppose, I, I guess in kids, I th when I think about kids and education and community engagement, the barrier seems to me to be their screens. Yes. What, what's um, your observation of that in your teaching practice and in your community engagement? Yes, you're absolutely right. Unfortunately, it's kind of a, a sign of the times. Um, where we live in our community, it's and families with primary and secondary age kids, it's like, get off your screen, get your fishing rod, get your basketball, let's head outside because we live where we live because it's a beautiful environment. So it's very easy to get away from the screens, I think. A friend of mine, her son's doing his bronze Duke of Edinburgh and one of his skills he's been doing, fishing. And, and my husband has been his assessor and it's been fantastic to get out with, with Max and fish and watch him grow and his skill set and get a feed of fish out of it. That's so good. There is something about teaching kids when they're young to feed themselves, knowing yeah. that there is a real, uh, when you teach a child how to hunt or fish or grow a vegetable garden, you're enabling them with that knowledge that they can survive no matter what. And Absolutely. we grew up with that. Yeah, well, um, we're fortunate. We're, this is how we choose to live our life and where we live because we can live sustainably. We fish, we we harvest tuaki, we grow our own food, and we're, we're modelling for our rangatahi, how, how you live. This is how you do it. Yeah, we're much the same here in the East Bay Plenty, and it definitely, uh, there's definitely skills there. But I've noted... Uh, there's been a lot in the media lately about the cost of vegetables and I just cannot fathom why people, you know, like you can grow a zucchini in a bucket. And yeah. Yeah, this is so easy to grow food to feed your whanau. And I, yeah, and I still just can't get my head around why people just can't do that. Um, well, years ago, Michelle Obama, the you know, she she dug up the White House lawn and put a veggie garden in for her girls. How is uh, fantastic modelling? Fantastic, and I think it's just if you can't do it yourself, even the community like we have a lot of elderly, they can come down and potter in the garden. They can come and harvest their own. We grow a lot of food, and I say, well. I'm not delivering it, but you come and pick, you come and harvest some kai from my place anytime. 
and that's fine with us. If it, it, we we grow plenty for everyone if they can't grow for themselves. That's so good. I love that. That's kind of a bit how we are too at our house. So <laughs> nice way of being. Do you think we need to really focus on integrating the delivery of learning to develop those skills inside school? Like compulsory, everybody works in the garden. Every school has a big garden and a big orchard. I would love that. I would absolutely love to see that, particularly in, in urban areas. I think it's very easy in, in rural communities and small rural schools to do that. Um, so I, I, I tend to think there is still the divide between the rural and the urban education system. Um, but yeah, and, and I don't know how to solve that, but I would love to see that in, in urban schools because it's invaluable and, and we need to, well, Sam, you're into sustainability and it's something that we need to absolutely nurture our youth to understand the importance to move forward. What's the process to do, to to try and make that sort of change in education, what's the process? How do you get the machine to turn? Back to, I guess it comes back to teacher education programs. Institutions can, well, Sam, you know, they can be cranky old solid beasts that are very hard to change. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm not sure that's a... That's a higher level than my pay grade. <laughs> Is it doable? Have you seen that sort of transformation in your years of teaching? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, you know, teachers in schools are at the coalface where we're not just teachers, we're counsellors, we're financial advisors, we're, um, you know, we... <sighs> It's a big job. It's a big job. And to support Fano, you know, we all just need to, I think, you know, I think generally we're all paddling our walker in the same direction. We just need to support each other more, have more conversations. There's, um, I love the initiative by New World, the little garden I think it's so the little veggie pots with I've lost the I've lost count of the number of homes that I've been into where I've seen the little seedlings growing in the little pots and they've fallen over dead because it's wonderful to give people the little seed pots and yeah. say yeah this is the instruction but if you don't know what to do with it after that afterwards then what yeah. was the point and so yeah so I, I think we're we have got the basis for making a really amazing social change. We just need to take it to the next step and that's got to start with the kids. Absolutely. And and the little gardens, it's yep, even if you got one little pot with three seeds and manage just plant the whole pot in the garden and just see what happens. Just yeah. dig a little space out and see what happens. Is we can't grow, yeah, we can't grow corn down here. It's a bit cold for that. <laughs> We've got turnips and because we've just been staggering our little garden seedlings. Lovely. And at the moment, we've got uh, turnips and sweets growing in our planter boxes from those, which is so good. Fantastic. Your planter boxes are just incredible. They are. They are crazy good. Love turnips. Very versatile vegetable. 
Yeah, we are, we have just we're so lucky in the Eastern Bay of Plenty. There's just everything grows here and it grows fast. Uh, we need glass houses down here for it to grow fast. <laughs> <laughs> but we still grow an amazing amount of food. That's so good. I love that you're growing food and sharing it to the community. Is that something you've always done? Is that a family thing for you, a tradition in your family, or is it something that's just happened? Uh, uh, my husband, definitely, because he's, he's been uh, grown up in the area and where we live, he's been there for 50 years and he grows trees and he knows every, he's, he's a bit of an almanac, my husband. So it was him that actually taught me to garden and through through family and community and um yeah then any surplus we actually sell to the local hotel up the road because they love buying locally grown vegetables food miles and to say to serve their beautiful food at kerry's bay hotel they can say oh it's grown down at aramoana that's so good Let's squeeze in the second of your music choices. Let's have Pharrell Williams, Happy. Why this one? Yeah, I'm not a – I just – I don't hear it that often, but it's just one of those songs when it comes on, it just puts a smile on your face, and it does actually make you – you know, it's probably a good marketing song, but it just makes me smile and put a bit of a jig on, and, yeah, that's, that's why I like that song.
Vicky, the theme of this show is positive but not deluded. At least the theme used to be positive but not deluded. And more recently, we've added a dash of deluded. What's the role of a positive mindset for you? The role of a positive mindset. Um, I think being true to yourself. Um, Resiliency in education. We talk a lot about resiliency. So I think for a positive mindset for me is knowing yourself, being resilient and life life is hard and life's not always going to go your way, but it's how we pick ourselves up, dust ourselves off and move forward to me is a positive mindset and, you know, being kind to yourself and those around you. You've been working with the former refugee students, and I know you can't directly speak for them, but they've been through serious trauma. Are they positive? Have they come out of that positive? I would say generally, yes. They, I love working with this group of students. They're, they're very, they're very empathetic and understand. They're very grateful to be here and the wonderful opportunities and lifestyle that New Zealand offers them and their families um, and huge barriers, huge barriers for these these students and they are resilient and they are the ones that are moving forward and making the most of the opportunities that come their way and um, getting wonderful supports. I, I'm just so grateful that they get good supports for them and their families for moving forward because they they love being here in New Zealand and they want to contribute to New Zealand. So they're an awesome bunch of students. Can we learn from that as a society about coming out of difficulties, difficult times like the pandemic or the disruptions of the other disruptions of the last couple of years? There's there's, there's another war on. Can can we learn from that resiliency for for somehow uh, coming out of all of this stronger? Absolutely, absolutely. And and that's, you know, speaking from a school community perspective, very inclusive of others and different cultures and eth- ethnic backgrounds. And that's, uh, that's something that schools do really, really well. They're very inclusive um, and supportive, you know, of these students. And yes, we can learn a lot from them. And and sharing those experiences, shared experiences, and having com- just having conversations. I have some questions to end the show. What is the biggest success you've had in the last couple of years? Ooh, the biggest success would probably be working to get our beautiful new playground in Aramwana. That's been... A huge success and a big driver. Very happy about it. So happy. Love our playground. So we're writing a book of these conversations. It's called Tomorrow's Heroes. It's our team of people doing good work. So you are in that team. What's your superpower? Optimism. I'm, yep, just, yep, I've always been a cup half full, not a cup, cup half empty. And... Yeah, I, I love people and I like to, to help people. Um, and I think that's why I love my community and I love being an educator. 
and the cup's half full and the other half was delicious. Well, I drank that. <laughs> <laughs> Do you consider yourself to be an activist? Yes, to a certain extent. Actually, I've never... Yes, I am. <laughs> I'll own that. Yes, I am. Um, uh, strong belief system, um, an activist for supporting others so we can live our best life. I think my, my degree is in economics. I, I have a strong interest in politics and economics um, and decision-making. So I think, yeah, I'd, I'd be a social activist, I think. Do you think the 16- and 17-year-olds should get the vote? Absolutely. Absolutely. Those that and, – and whether you're 18 and over, um, it's not compulsory to vote in New Zealand. It's compulsory to be enrolled to vote. Voter turnout. Absolutely. They – and youth, we need to hear their voice. If we're to move forward, we absolutely need to hear their voice. I have huge hope for the future because we have the most amazing youth here in New Zealand and we need to listen to them all. They certainly seem to know what they're doing in terms of getting organised with the climate strikes and things. Yep, absolutely. Um, Generalising, I think youth today, they tend to be more empathetic and understanding. They're more global. Like when I was a teenager... I didn't know what was really outside my school or local community. Youth today, because of the internet and globalism, they're a lot more aware of what's going on outside their, their backyard. And we need and we have wonderful, clever, articulate, intelligent youth and we need to hear their voice. So what motivates you? What gets you out of bed in the morning? Um, my dog wanting to get fed. <laughs> no, um, I love what I do. I love where I live. I've I've worked really hard to get a good balance in my life. Um, so for me, I love getting up. I love working with students. Then I love coming home and ass up in the garden. <laughs> <laughs> my happy place. And walking the beach every night. Cool. There was a fantastic collection of shells there a few months ago. They've mostly gone now. You were probably down on Shelley Beach, Sam. It's, um, yeah, nothing is static with coastal environments. So the, the beach is forever changing. Um, you've just got to dodge all the sea lions, so many sea lions. We, we actually had a sea lion in our front garden, and it's been coming and going for the last three weeks. So, um Yes, we're giving him lots of space. It's a him, not a her. We've had him identified, a young juvenile, so we'll stay out of his way. And, oh, you were talking about opportunities being the flip sides of challenges. So what is the biggest challenge or opportunity that you're looking forward to in the next year or so? I think, for me, the opportunity to keep working how I work who I work with and how I live and and keeping my health. That's really important because we can't do what we do if we don't look after ourselves and be, be a bit kind to ourselves. Don't punish ourselves so much. 
And lastly, do you have any advice for our listeners? Be kind to yourself, be kind to everyone else, and yep, get up with a spring in your step every day because you should be blessed that you're getting another day. Thank you for that. Mawera. Okay, that is sound advice indeed. I really appreciate the incredible work that you're doing in our community across so many different spaces and the way that you connect everybody in those spaces. Feeding people and teaching people how to feed themselves has got to be the most wonderful of all gifts that we can give the world and you give that so beautifully. Thank you for your commitment to community mm. and for all the amazing things you do. Wonderful to hear you today, Kilda. Oh, Kilda, thank you very much. It's been really great chatting with you both. Thank you.
can say and will come any day. Buddhists don't know if they knew they wouldn't say. We're all searching without the faith to pray. And every day. Your judgment day. Give me a secret. I'm a fool. Divorced from nature. Look at all those rules. You've been listening to Blowing Bubbles, positive conversations with people in their bubbles, their safe spaces around the world. Brought to you by the Sustainable Lens Team, which is brought to you by Otago Polytechnic, which is brought to you by Tipu Kenga. We're broadcast on Otago Access Radio every Monday, Wednesday and Friday afternoons at 3 and streamed and podcast on oar.org.nz. You can find us on Facebook. We had a contribution today from Tahu McKenzie. This is Luke Hurley, Albatross. I'm Samuel Mann in Sawyer's Bathroom with Moira Karatai in Fakatani and in her carbot from Waipuna Bay. We've been joined by Vicky Wilson. That was Blowing Bubbles. We hope you enjoyed the show. Matiwa. This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air.